Hey everyone, husband here. And I'm wife. If you've been listening to us, then you know we're all about reading the Bible and reacting to it on our first read-through. Cuss words, crying, laughing, and more. We're passionate about creating a podcast that takes the sanctity out of the sacred text and simply stating it as we see it. But we can't do it without your help. We're asking for your support to help us keep this podcast going. There are two ways you can donate. Text SACDIS, that's S-A-C-D-I-S, to 53. 555 if you're in the U.S. with a one-time donation. Any amount helps. Or if you'd rather start a sustaining membership, sign up on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Membership levels start as low as $2 a month. We are amazed and grateful for our fans that support us now, and you can become one too. With your support, we can keep sacrilegious discourse alive and well for years to come. So please donate today. Text SACDIS to 53555 if you're in the U.S. Or sign up for our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Sacrilegious Discourse. I'm husband. And I'm wife. Together we're reading the Bible for the very first time. We grew up without religion and wanted to know what all the fuss was about. Well, what have we learned so far? That God is a dick, and apparently some people believe in talking donkeys? We're not trying to pass ourselves off as experts. Nope, we're just reading the Bible for the first time and giving our first take reaction. If you'd like to join us in this venture, you might consider starting at episode one. Otherwise, jump in wherever you like. All right, let's go read the Bible. Yeah, let's get to it. Husband! Wife! Do you remember what happened in Ezra chapter 3 from Uh, Friday? There was lots of towers, like the oven towers, and they built a lot of fucking gates, like the fish gate and the dung gate and... The sheep gate. The sheep gate and... The north gate. And, uh... The front gate. Yeah. The valley gate. There's a lot of fucking gates. So many gates. So many. Yeah. Um, yes. And that, they, they were that. joyous. They were, they, they were joyous. Okay. They were I, I joyous. 
Yeah. Because they built gates? The sound was heard from far away. Was it because they built gates? Because of the gates. It wasn't because of Bill Gates, but no. they built gates. Built gates, built not gates, Bill Gates. Not Bill Gates. Yeah. Yeah. Good one, good one. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> that was Ezra chapter three. Sure as fuck wise. And today we're going to be reading... Ezra chapter four. All right. Let's go do this. Okie dokie. Um, so we accidentally said Ezra, but guess what? We're in Nehemiah. We are. <laughs> and you wanted to re-record the whole thing, but I was like, nah, keep it in, keep it in. Right, yeah. Well, we already re-recorded once. Yeah, because so. because I what forgot. happened the first time, yeah. Because we got go, we got through the husband. I go husband wife. and you go wife, and then I was like, Um, um I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah. But we we said the correct thing. There were gates, and it is the chapter, the fourth chapter of yeah. You know, I was something. Just, I was in Ezra. Ezra instead of Nehemiah. Yeah, we're in Nehemiah. Yeah. So let's let's read Nehemiah chapter four. Yeah, instead of Ezra, don't right. read Ezra chapter. No, nope, I'm not. We already read Ezra. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, uh huh, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Who's this guy? I don't know. Okay. He's Sambalat. Why is he mad that we're rebuilding the wall? That he ridiculed the, wall? the Jews. Oh, not ridiculed. He's not a Jesus. Jew, so that's why. Well, I mean, but he's ridiculing them. That's so he's strong. Ridiculing them. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, oh. what are those feeble Jews doing? Feeble? Feeble. They're not Jeez. even capable. They're just feeble. Right. Man. Will they restore their wall? Probably not if they're as feeble as you're saying. Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life? What does this guy care? From those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Why don't they just get new stones? He's like, how do you bring stones back to life? I don't fucking know. That's weird. I don't know. This guy's like, what are they doing over there? They're so stupid. (laughs) Look at them. They're, they have shoes. Like, what? They're breathing air. Oh my gosh. Right? He's like. He's really uppity. He's very, yeah, he's very incensed here. Mm-hmm. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Yeah, those foxes knock down their walls all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their heads. Oh, suddenly we're in presidents. Present Wait, tense, first person. Nehemiah is saying. Oh, Nehemiah is saying that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Present okay. tense, first person. He is saying, right now, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their heads. Give them over as plunder on a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face not of the builders. Insults in front of the Builders, not the god. builders. Oh my god! Man, they can't take it. It's just when somebody calls me a name like Baldy, like that one chapter. Yeah, you gotta kill them with you bears, gotta right? Kill them. You gotta make them pay. Right. You gotta send them to hell and have them burn for eternity. They insulted you. Insults. Man. My god. So we says Nehemiah rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. Well, that was good. I'm glad they did that, even with the insults. Even with the insults. I know that made it so much know, more difficult. I know when somebody calls you names, it's hard. Yeah, it's not as easy to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do try to teach our children today that sticks and stones. Right. But 
these guys didn't have rhymes yet. No. So they didn't know. Yeah. Also, apparently they'd never heard of kindness or just brush it off. Or right. go punch that guy in the nose and get on with your work. Right. Don't or don't fucking worry about I mean, it's it. It's like three guys or something, right? Just yeah. go throw them in jail or something for a bit. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't yeah. know. Whatever. Or build a wall and push them out on the other side. Yeah. Like, you're over there now. Right. <laughs> but when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead, yeah. and that the gaps were being closed, oh, fuck, they were very angry. Oh, my God. Why were, why were they angry? I don't understand why they're angry. They don't want the Jews They had all the paperwork, back. right? They had all the paperwork, and, like, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. kings are all good with this, and, like, who the fuck are these people? These people live there. Oh. They were the ones They were the that, ones that lived there before they came back? Yeah. And they're like, no, last time that the Jewish people were here and were friendly with um, leaders from other countries, yeah. they basically, like, ruled this fucking area. Yeah. We do not want them and their God to be successful again. Right, right. Because then they will kill us. Got it. So they, they kind of have a reason to be worried. Okay. So anyway, all these guys plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Mm. But we, says Nehemiah, prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. A guard. A guard. Man. I I would maybe consider posing two guards. Maybe even more than that. Probably more. Probably like... At least 10 at each gate. Right, yeah. Because there's a lot of gates. Maybe even have an army ready to go. I would probably have an army ready to go. You know? Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild a wall. Mm. Also, our enemy said, (laughs) before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to the work. <laughs> I really like the laugh. You're getting into this yeah, one. Yeah, they're so insulting. Right, yeah. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Oh. Therefore, I, Nehemiah, stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I, Nehemiah, looked things over, I, Nehemiah, stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome? Remember that guy? Yeah. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. He's he's probably got your back, right? Yeah, God, God surely maybe might help. Right, unless he doesn't feel like it. Yeah, people. yeah. Because maybe we're prideful for assuming yeah. he'll help. You right. just never know. Exactly. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. Yay! Oh, okay. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. Mm. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. Sounds counterproductive. Right? I mean, I'm just saying. Like, yeah. It's hard to work while you got a weapon in your hand. Yeah. How about you have... The people that are working be working, and then there's the other people, people be the guard people, right? Yeah, yeah. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me, Nehemiah. He stayed with me. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I, Nehemiah, said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, 
and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Or you'll fight for yourself. Yeah. You know, that's that's why you got to join there. Right, right. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I, Nehemiah, also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither so they, I... They don't get any breaks? No breaks. Okay. No breaks. No sleep. Never. Okay. Neither I, Nehemiah, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. The end. Mm, that sounds like they probably need to do some laundry. Uh, I need to do some laundry. I gotta work tomorrow. And they they gotta work in all those clothes that they're always wearing. <laughs> well, so. they are nasty, so... Right. they're um, building, and they're all sweaty. Yeah. And yeah. plus, um, don't they have to do all those religious things and clean themselves? One like, would think, How right? are they cleansing themselves before the Lord? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Are they working on the Sabbath? What's happening on the Sabbath? Is I mean, somebody guarding on the Sabbath? You wouldn't, you wouldn't think so, because, you know, they can't work on the Sabbath, right? So why doesn't everybody just wait till the Sabbath day and then be like, ha ha, they can't work on the Sabbath. And right. Go Seems like in. a good, good plan for the enemy people. Right. So I don't, maybe I, I'm not on the side of the enemy people, but nor am I on the side of those rebuilding Jerusalem. Right. I mean, whatever. I'm, I'm sideless. Yeah. I have no sides. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Nehemiah chapter four. Sure as fuck was. And tomorrow we'll be back with Nehemiah chapter five. And when we say Nehemiah, we mean it. Not Ezra. Definitely. All right, we'll see you guys then. Yep, bye. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Husband! Wife! Do you remember what happened yesterday? Uh, yeah, some guys were uh, like outside ridiculing the, the Jews about them building shit, and then Nehemiah's like, Whoa, I should probably put some guards on duty. <laughs> We're going to get you. You're stupid and ugly. <laughs> so he made him work like, you know, all day, all night. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that's, I think that's what, all, that, that's what happened. And they stayed in their clothes. Yeah, they stayed in their clothes because they worked yep. all the time. That is correct. Okay, so that was Nehemiah chapter four. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to be reading. Nehemiah chapter five. All right, let's go do this. Okie dokie. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 5. Okay. Now, 
the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, We and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must eat grain. Not grain. Yeah. Others were saying, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Mm. Still. Wait, why would you mortgage your farm where you can, you know, grow grain? I don't know. That seems dumb. I don't know. Okay. Maybe they weren't grain growing farms. Mm. Maybe they were cow growing farms. Gotcha. Or potato growing farms. I guess it could be. I mean, fuck, I don't know. Right, right. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless. Yeah. Because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Yeah, because you mortgaged them to them. Womp womp. Yeah. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. Very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you're charging your own people interest. Yeah, why would you? That's illegal, actually. No! According to God. Remember, they, God, mm-hmm. God says don't charge interest. Yeah. So I, Nehemiah, God cares about interest, yeah, you know, like that's does. a thing. Yeah. So I, Nehemiah, called together a large meeting to deal with them. And I, Nehemiah, said, as far as possible, we have brought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. Oh, my gosh. Maybe don't buy slaves and maybe don't sell slaves. Yeah, don't do slave trade. That, yeah. that would be good. Don't engage. You would think God wouldn't want that to be done. You would think that God would not be for slavery. Right? It would be a thing that I would not do if I was a God. Yeah, same, same. Right? Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I, Nehemiah, continued, What you are doing is not right, motherfuckers. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God? To avoid the reproach of our fucking Gentile enemies? Yeah. I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. Let us stop charging interest. Yeah. Give back to them immediately. Their fields, vineyards, olive groves and houses and also the interest you are charging them. How far they've strayed since from the the book of Moses, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. It's crazy. One percent of the money, grain, new wine and olive oil. We'll give it back, they said. And I guess they said it in unison. Mm, okay. here, here's what they also said in unison. Okay. And we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Okay. That was, they, yeah. They all said that. that. They said, is that how they said it too? Well, it's what a crowd sounds like. Oh, that's what a crowd yeah. sounds like. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was my crowd voice. Okay. All right. Then I, Nehemiah, summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. So promise what you promised that you're going to promise that you promised. Yeah. You promise? I promise. Okay. I, Nehemiah, also shook out the folds of my robe, as one does. Yeah. And said, in this way, may God shake out of their house and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. Well, it's a promise, but it's also something that God didn't want them specifically to do. Right. According to God's law, so God early on, so technically, God could them. already be pissed off and punish them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. God could just, I don't know, follow his word. Right, right. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied as he okay. shook his robes. Yeah, got I it. Shook, shook. Oh, what is that shake and bake commercial? 
shake and bake commercial. Do you remember there was some kind of shake and bake commercial? I'm sure you're right. Oh, I what can't was remember. It, it was something though. something because I don't you know hold shake and bake commercials in my mind oh, forefront of it. It was a good and it was something about shake 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 my chicken. That's a shake song. Shake my chicken. No, but that's a song oh, and okay. it's shake your booty. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Right. What is it? Shake and bake. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> he's doing shake and bake and getting his robes, getting all the crumbs out his robes. Got it. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. At this point, the whole assembly said, Amen! And praise the Lord. Because that's what I always do when I'm talking about interest rates. A promise! A promise! <laughs> and the people did as they had promised. Because they promised! Good job, guys. Yeah. Way to promise that. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I, Nehemiah, was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah until his 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. Oh, okay. okay. Well, what food did you eat then? I don't I know. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Hmm. So he didn't do, like, basically, he was just, like, working pro bono governor. Yeah. Like, he was yeah. in his own food somewhere else, somewhere, mm-hmm. something. He was farming. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That was nice of him. Hmm. But you know what? I mean, maybe some of the governors took their job more seriously, and they, they were right. doing specifically that job. Like, so just they because, needed somebody to help them. Just because you get paid for your work doesn't mean that you're bad. Right, right. Like, also... Why are you, like, patting yourself on the back about it? That's like, you remember when Trump was, like, um, he's just like, I'm going to sign over my checks to whatever, and I'm not going to take pay. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. You're a fucking millionaire. So It means nothing. It means nothing to you. And then come to find out, he did, though. Right, yeah. He did accept the payment (laughs) from the government. I know we were all shocked. Yeah, right. Okay, anyways. Their assistance also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I, Nehemiah, did not act like that. I'm just telling you But he's you telling it. everybody. Yeah. He wants to make sure you know he's that like, he's better than everybody else. He's going like this. He's like, hey, 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 right, hey. Right, right. And then, okay, so now you respond, hey, hey. Hey, what? Did you know I'm nice? Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, what? Did you know I'm nice? Hey. Uh, hey. <laughs> dude. <laughs> right? That's what he's doing. Okay. Instead, I, Nehemiah, devoted myself to the work on this wall. Mm. All my men, all my sister brothers and me. Okay. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Mm. Womp womp. Okay. You got nothing. <laughs> Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. How did you have table if you had no food? I don't, I don't understand. know. I don't know. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me, and every ten days an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. Maybe he was still getting paid from the, the king in uh, Persia yeah, or whatever. that must be. You know? But he was getting food and wine. That's what I'm saying. So, like Maybe he was yeah. getting a, an allotment. He must have been. He yeah. had to be getting something. Somebody's paying him something. But maybe the last person wasn't getting an allotment. And that's right. why they had to get paid. Like, right. You're not necessarily better than the other people. Like, 
You just we have a different to, situation, man. We need to know what all the situations were right, to yeah. compare them. Yeah, I can't say you're better than those people. I don't know what the deal is, man. I know that their names aren't braggy in the Bible. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yours is, so there's that. Right. In spite of all this, I, Nehemiah, never demanded the food allotted to the governor because the demands were heavy on these people. Yeah. Remember me with favor, my God, for I, Nehemiah, have done... For all I, Nehemiah, have done for these people. Yeah, I have sacrificed so much. Mm, mm. He, I mean, he's just like, hey, I'm nice. Hey, I'm good. Hey, hey, hey. Aren't you supposed to just, like, not... Yeah. Uh, you know, it, you're not supposed to take credit. You're supposed to yeah. just receive credit. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're not really supposed to, like, bring it on, like, hey, I was good over there, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And the fact that he wrote all this down is, right? like... Oh, excuse you. Right. Like, aren't you something? Not only does everybody know you were good, but people for thousands of years now know you were good because you said so. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's some like, fucking... Like, not everybody gets to write in a diary, but my guy Nehemiah, he mm-hmm. taught himself how to write and he got himself a diary. Yeah. Like, okay, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. That was one hell of a diary. It ended up in a fucking Bible. Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he needs to chill the fuck out with himself. Like, he's as in love with himself as other the Chronicler was with <laughs> David. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, that was Nehemiah chapter 5. Sure as fuck was. And tomorrow we will be back with... Nehemiah chapter 6. All right. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Husband! Wife! Do you remember what happened yesterday? Uh, let's see. They got rid of interest payments again. Again, still yeah, more. Yeah, because I mean that was a thing back, you know, before. Back they in didn't, they didn't like interest. Remember? OG Moses, right? Time. Yeah, Moses' time, yeah. right? And then uh, Nehemiah, he was like, "I'm really good, and I'm, you know, I'm so good. See how, how, look nice how good I am. I am. I'm nice, right? Did he, you see me nice? Yeah. And then he had a grill out. Yeah, he did. And that was, I think, that was the gist of it. That was the gist. Yeah. Yep. So that was uh, Nehemiah chapter 5. Sure as fuck was. And today we're going to be jumping into... Nehemiah chapter 6. Let's go do this. Okie dokie. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 6. Okay. When word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I, Nehemiah, had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it. Not a gap. Not a single one. Though up to that time, I, Nehemiah, had not set the doors and the gates. <laughs> so that um, sounds like a gap to me. Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. Was that a gap? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was a gap. Ready? They yeah. sent him message. this message. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. Nehemiah. Yeah, how do you know? So I, Nehemiah, sent messengers to them with this reply. I am, uh, excuse me, carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Right. Why should I work? Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Right. And then they go down on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, okay, sorry. Nothing. Yeah, that's a whole different message there. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, the yeah. correct, yeah. So, four times they sent me, Nehemiah, the same message. And each time, I, Nehemiah, gave them the same answer. Okay. Okay? Yeah. 
Then, the fifth time, Sambalat sent his aide to me with the same message. Same fucking message. Mm -hmm. Five times now. Yeah, yeah. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah! Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together! Sounds like you guys are planning on releasing this information about us, regardless of whether it's what's actually happening or right? not, because right? you're like really upset that we're building this wall. Yeah. Even so, though we yeah. had the blessing of the king, so... Mm-hmm. So I, Nehemiah, sent him this reply. Nothing like what you were saying is happening, weirdo. You are just making it up out of your head. It literally says that. You are just making it up out of your head. But it doesn't say weirdo. No, I said weirdo. Right, but no, I know. that's why I specified that he really did say you are just making it up out of your head. Right. That's funny as fuck. <laughs> They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I, Nehemiah, prayed, now strengthen my hands. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would have not done. Right. I mean, just right. saying. So anyways, yeah. one day I, Nehemiah, went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of <laughs> Mehetabal, who was shut in at his home. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, he was shut okay. in. Got it. Okay. okay. He said... Let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. Oh. Whoa, gonna, that is going to fortify quickly. themselves inside the church. Whoa. Huh? But I, temple, Nehemiah, sorry. I, Nehemiah said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Well, why? Um, Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't, a man like you, are you like a great warrior? I'm awesome, didn't you I know? Mean, what's, what makes him special? Oh, here, ready? Here I'm we ready, go. I'm ready. I, Nehemiah, realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because, guess what? Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. Boom. Oh, yep. I see. There it he is. He could tell he was so close to God. He was mm -hmm. like, you're wrong. Yeah. You're, that's not, I'm... I'm me. Yeah. Duh. I'm Nehemiah, I don't bitch. Have to, I don't have to fucking hide. I'm Nehemiah. Yeah. The fuck? <sighs> he had been hired to intimidate me. Ha. Mm. So that I, Nehemiah, would commit a sin by doing this. And then they Wait, would- hiding me... from somebody who's going to kill you is a sin? Since when was hiding from somebody who's going to kill you a sin? Well, depending on how he's going to go about it, Ed. Hiding in the church- Probably. Yes. I, I mean, okay. I don't know. Um, maybe taking this guy's word is the sin. Maybe. When he this should seems be a little praying. weird, though. Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm just saying. He'd been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Mm, okay. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they have done. Huh. Gross. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she, 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 and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me, those bitches. Yeah. 
So anyways, the wall was completed on the 25th of Yulel, El Yul, El Lul, in 52 days. Okay. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Ha 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 ha. My God. Y'all suck. We did it. We're awesome. They completed a wall. Oh my fucking hell. <laughs> what, are, what are we ever going to do? Cheesy peas. They can build. Those are some building Fuck builders me. over there. That's one hell of a god. Mm. Yeah. Also, in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah. And replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. Okay. For many in Judah were under oath to him since he was son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehonanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't follow that at all. I didn't either. I okay, didn't. but somebody. Yeah. Um. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling me, telling him what I, Nehemiah, said. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. The end. Okay. This, this sounds was gossipy like, yeah, as right? Fuck. Like, this is just this a bunch of was, bullshit. This was like Stars Hollow. This was like, um, this was like Gilmore Girls. Yeah. This was like. It was very dramatic, for sure. Yeah. This was like, did you know? I mean, they were saying this, and then I was like, oh my God. And then I go, and she goes. I mean, it had everything, then, like even conspiring yeah. female prophets, you know? Yeah. Like, damn. Yeah. Talking yeah. about ancient times here and the female prophet to start off with, mm-hmm. but then conspiring against Nehemiah, mm-hmm. who's awesome, obviously. He's the Duh. awesomest. He built that fucking wall. I mean, he's no David, Shit. but he's pretty. I mean, pretty Nehemiah, good. man. Nehemiah but, is even better than Ezra. He's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's only oh, funny if you know the oh, band. Oh, but I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, I was good. I was good. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, you, you beat me to it because I was, you know, I was hoping to get that one myself. But oh, okay, she okay. got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's true. The way this is written, it just it fits perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're done. But just as a side note, before we finish here, I just have to mention this because, um, wife and I tonight we played some darts. We did. Yeah, we and went wife, to my parents and threw darts. Yeah, wife managed to hit a banana tonight. <laughs> Not only that, but I called my fucking shot. She did. Yeah, she was like, you know what? We probably should move those bananas. I'm probably going to hit them. And it was funny. lo and behold, she hit the fucking banana. I was aiming for a bullseye, I'll have you know. Not a banana. Not a banana. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'm going to post a picture of this in the Patreon. So if you're not in Patreon, you won't get to see the picture. But if you are... This is not a posed picture. This no. actually happened. This and actually I was like, happened. you need to take a picture of this. <laughs> this is how bad I am at I mean, darts. to be fair, it bounced off of the wall into the banana. Still. But, you know. That almost makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't the only one that bounced darts off the wall no, tonight. No, no, for sure. No. Um, but the, you're the only one that hit a banana. That is true. Yeah. That yeah. is true. Right. There's one other interesting thing that happened today that I just have to mention while we're on the topic okay, of right. interesting things that happened in our life today. Yeah, right. So um, our youngest child uh, texted us that um, their, okay, this is cool. their English teacher wanted them to write sentences using certain vocabulary words. Right. Now, mind you, these are seniors in high school, not like fifth graders. Right, right. So... Um, 
but there was a note that please do not put um, singular or wait, what is it? Do not please, attribute singular. Um, do not attribute a plural they as a singular right, right. to a singular person. Yeah. And it was, um, it might be popular to do so today, but it's not grammatically correct. And this is a grammar class. Right. And my kid was like, excuse you. And actually wrote all of the sentences with the singular they, and then links to all several articles that are not just articles, but like the fucking dictionary right. that say that not only is singular they um, correct grammatically, it has been since like the 1400s. So fuck off, basically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was just so cool because our kid is not really one to like buck the system or I mean, make waves or argue. They are sometimes. Only, only in the most, this is definitely wrong situation. Yeah. If it's something that really hits home with them, they will, mm -hmm. they will definitely do it. Yeah. But it just depends on what it is. And this really hits home. This hits home because they use they, them pronouns. Right. So they were like, oh no, this shall not stand. Right. Right. And so we texted back. We're so proud of you. And yeah. And God forbid that, uh, that teachers say anything about this. Oh shit or no. Give a, mark in the wrong direction no no i i will come unglued because right, right no yeah um this was not the fight you wanted to motherfucking pick bitch <laughs> i'm gonna tell you so yeah that happened today and we are very proud of our child yeah definitely yeah all right well i think that's all we got that was mm -hmm. nehemiah chapter six it sure as fuck was and we will be back tomorrow with nehemiah chapter seven all right we'll see you guys then keep your bananas safe husband wife do you remember what happened yesterday uh let's see i think I think there was the guys that were making fun of the Israelites for building the wall and shit mm -hmm. like that. And they were also wanting the tattle on them. They're like, you guys are doing bad. And then um, they sent like a message to Nehemiah like five times or something. Mm -hmm. And Nehemiah's like, no, fuck off. Yeah. And I'm not going to be drawn into this bullshit and whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, he didn't end up spending the night in the church. And all's good, I guess, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it was plots of the adversaries right so. yeah so they they didn't they didn't succeed because you know probably because god because we're in the bible, god. We're yeah, in the bible. Yeah, yeah yeah that would that would be my guess probably god. right probably right it sounded an awful lot like a teen drama right right yeah, so that was uh, Nehemiah chapter 6. It sure as fuck was. And today we're going to be reading... Nehemiah chapter 7. Let's go do this. Okie dokie. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 7. Okay. Here we go. All right. After the wall had been rebuilt... And I, Nehemiah, had set the doors in place. Oh, we finally got those doors in place. We That's got good. our doors That's up. Good. Those gaps, they were... Yeah, they were know, worrying they me. Were, yeah, me too. The gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. So he put the they doors in. They do a lot in. of appointing these same fucking people yeah. over, and over, over and over and over again. Yeah. It's very important to them. Yeah. And it, I think it's Do you know how their... important it is to me? No, not at all. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. Not at all. Right, right. <laughs> I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, 
the commander of the Citadel because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. Well, you got to have that fear of God. You got to fear That's him. Very important. Fear him. Be afraid. Always be afraid. Right. Never not be afraid. You wouldn't want to love him. Yeah. You no. Gotta fear him. Fear him. Fear. Fear. Are you scared? <laughs> not scared enough. I, Nehemiah, said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. Okay. Well, do you mean till the day is hot? Because the don't. sun's always hot. <laughs> 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 You're really proud of yourself. Just then, aren't you? I was. Actually, <laughs> I really was. While the gatekeepers are still on duty... Have them, you said duty, oh my God. have them shut the doors and bar them. you got to keep the vampires out. Right, yeah. <laughs> also, appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. What if they got to go hunting or like something, you know, outside of the... you got to wait. you got to wait till it's, it's hot outside, huh? you got to wait till the sun is hot. Or climb the wall. Yeah. The one of the two. I mean, but you don't want to tangle with vampires. Right, no, vampires are bad. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it, and the houses has not even yet been rebuilt. <laughs> so, basically, they have a wall, some gates, and a bunch of nothing. Yeah, yeah, okay. basically. So, God, my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. Because oh, we need to register the families before we, we build the fucking houses. Yeah. Yeah, we like, love we don't, registration. We don't need to, like, worry about getting, you know, everything in order in the town. Yeah, we need yeah. to register people and say their mm -hmm, names a mm -hmm. lot. Yes, because um, we love a good numbering and also um, a good census. Except for that's questionable because God didn't like that one census. Mm, as long as we call it a registration, registration? and not a census. Okay. Right. And it's for the purpose of building enough houses for all the people. You think that's what it's for? I think yeah. they just like... Took people's names down on pieces of paper. I'm pretty sure it's to make sure they have enough houses mm. so they know how many they need. And, okay, I don't want to live next door to such and such because they always try Their to mother's, tell me, father's, brother's, mother, grandfather's, great-grandfather's person, he killed my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. Oh, no, see, I was just going to say because they're always, like, trying to get me to mow my lawn and I don't oh. want to. <laughs> well, they love these long lineages. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, just, it's you know. true. It's true. Yours is probably more accurate because they didn't have lawnmowers, <laughs> but whatever. So, God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. I, Nehemiah, found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. I found those records. Where did he find it? Up his butt. <laughs> I don't know. This is what I, Nehemiah, found written there. These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town, in company with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nahamani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispareth, Bigvi, Neum, and Baana. Mm, that okay, was, that was that was parentheses, parentheses. voice. Yeah. yeah, the list of the men of Israel. Here we go. Oh boy, are you ready? Nope. Gird your loins. <laughs> the descendants of Parash, two thousand one hundred and seventy-two. Of Shephat, 
Taya. This is going to be a fun chapter, everybody. Mm-hmm. Wife mm-hmm. loves these chapters. Fuck off. <laughs> 372 of Ura 652 of Pehoth Moab. Through the line of Jeshua and Joab. Of course. 2,818. Of Elam, 1,254. Of Zatu, 845. Of Zakai, 760. Of Binui, 648. You think when they add extra information, like the parentheses they did with the, you know, of the whatever, those people are more important. Like they have bigger lineages. Like we have to mention these people because they're you know, really fucking important. I don't know, but every time you interrupt me... You gotta find your place in that list of goddamn names again. I'll try to do it more often then. Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> you suck. Of Babai, 628. Bye-bye. Of Asgad, 2,322. Of Adonicom... That sounds like... Um, Comic-Con? Yeah, a convention. Yeah. Yeah. 667 of Big Vi, as opposed to Little Vi, 2067 of Adin, 655 of Ader, through Hezekiah, 98. Important. Must be important. <laughs> yes. Of Hashum, 328. Of Bazai, 324. Of Harith, 112. Of Gibeon, 95. The men of Bethlehem and Nedophah. Natofa, whatever, 188. Of Anathoth, 128. Of Beth Asmaveth, 42. Okay, guys, don't forget. We're just trying to read the Bible. <laughs> just get through this. We're just reading these, okay? Right, right. So that at the end we can say we read another chapter of the Bible because that's our yeah. goal. Names, <laughs> numbers, and whatnot. The whole thing. The whole fucking thing. Of Kariath, Jerem, Kefira, and Beeroth. Ooh, all of them combined. Yeah. 743. Of Rama and Giba, 621. Of Mikmash, Paddywhack, give yeah, a dog a bone, right. 122. Of Bethel and I, 123. Of the other Nebo. <laughs> the other, that other Nebo. You know the other Nebo. The other Nebo. Yeah. 52. Of the other Elam. Jesus Christ. 1,254. Of Harim, 320. Of Jericho, 345. Of Lod, Hadid, and Ono, 721. Of Sanaha, 3930. The priests of Im. Oh, and that was the end of that. Now we're going to name the priests. Oh, yay. Yeah. Um, Jesus, God, help me. (laughs) Why? Why? This is so hard and boring. I'm sorry, you guys. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> of Immer, 1,052. Of Peshur, 1,247. Of Harem, 1,017. Okay, now the Levites. Okay, ready? I'm ready. And the musicians. And, and the, the gatekeepers. Musicians. And the gatekeepers. And the temple servants. Those guys, too. Okay. Yep. Kiro, Sia, Pardon, Labana, Hagabah, Shalmai, Hanan, Gedel, Gaher, Rhea, Rezin, Nakoda, Gazam, Uza, Pesiah, Besai, Meunim, Nephusim, Bakbuk. Can you imagine if we were like live radio and somebody oh. just turned in in the middle of one of these lists? They'd oh, like, God. What the fuck is happening right this now? This is the boringest <laughs> shit. Hecufa, Harther, Basleth, Mahida, Harsha, Barkos, Sisera, Tema, Naziah, and Hadifa. Yeah, Hadifa. 
Woohoo! The descendants of the servants of Solomon. Ready? Okay, yeah, I'm ready. Jala, Darkin, Giddel, Shephatiah, Hatil. Okay, the mm-hmm, temple yeah. servants and the descendants of the servants of Solomon, 392. Okay. The following came up from the towns of Tel Malah, Tel Harsha, Karub, Adon, and Immer, but they could not show their families were descended from Israel. Womp womp. Oh man, that sucks. They weren't they weren't registered. Mm-hmm. They they were something oh. else. There's words missing from this, so oh. I don't know what it's supposed to say. Sorry. The descendants of blank. Somebody. Somebody. And from among the priests, these searched for their family records, but they could not find them, and so were excluded from the priesthood as unfucking clean. No. Wait, you're unclean because you're not on the goddamn list? Yep. I didn't make the list, so I'm, what the fuck? How yeah. how do I get on the goddamn list? So I'm, I mean, how do I become clean again? Well, what do should, I gotta do? Your ancestors should have write my ass in the fucking list. Your ancestors should have done better by God. Here's a couple shekels. Probably that too. You know, yeah. Just put me on the list. Just man. put me on the fucking list. The governor therefore ordered them not to eat any of the most sacred food until there should be a priest ministering with the urim and thummim. That is bullshit. So they can get clean. Whatever. They just got to go through extra. Still hoops. bullshit. It is bullshit. You're just upset because you know you would have been left off the list. <laughs> and I would have too. So we would have been like, God, it's always difficult. Why? Right. Everything. Yeah. Why? The whole company numbered 42,360. Besides their 7,337 male and female slaves. You know, oh, besides those, yeah. you know, that small yeah. number that's almost like, yeah. what, like almost a quarter of the amount of people. Mm-hmm. Or at least a fifth. And they also had 245 male and female singers. And apparently singers aren't much better than slaves either. Yeah, they got listed after the fucking slaves. Yeah. There were 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. None of which talked. Right. Not not these donkeys anyway. Other donkey. Yeah. Other donkey. Other donkey. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the heads of the families contributed to the work. That was good of them. Mm -hmm. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 derricks of gold, 50 bulls, and 530 garments for priests. Mm. Some of the heads of the families gave to the treasury for the work 20,000 derricks of gold. What's a derrick? I don't fucking know. I've heard it before, but I don't know what a derrick is. It's a measurement of gold. Got it. And 2,200 minas of silver. Which we ha- we did talk about the minas. Did we? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, but we did talk about it. Got it. Got They're it. just measurements. Okay. And who cares, honestly? Right. Gold. Yeah. Silver. Gold. Silver and gold. The total given by the rest of the people was 20,000 derricks of gold, 2,000 minas of silver, and 67 garments for priests. The priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the temple servants, along with certain of the people and the rest of the Israelites, settled in their own towns. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, dot, 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 that's the end of the chapter. Oh, yeah, it literally ends on a fucking comma. Yeah. That's really weird. Yep. Mid fucking sentence. Well, I mean, these weren't separated into chapters, you know, when they originally wrote these documents so well, i just um went into the next chapter yeah i gotta finish the sentence right right okay so let me read the sentence again so that we can oops so we're gonna start we're gonna start yeah. chapter eight twice yes so 
When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, turn the page, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. Ah. Okay. 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 That's the end. They couldn't just separate it right there. I know. They had to do it literally on a comma. Literally mid-sentence. That's so fucking dumb. Right? Yeah. They should have asked my opinion when they split these up. I would have done a much hey, better let's, job. Hey, let's have a whole chapter dedicated to names of fucking idiot people, mm-hmm. and then let's end it on a comma. Yeah. That's a perfect chapter. Perfect it's chapter. Per- I mean, the editors won't There's care. There's absolutely nothing Wait, wrong with this there chapter. are no fucking editors. Yeah. Because this is fucking ancient times. Yep. This is dumb. And we still base our laws off of these people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was Nehemiah chapter 7. And a smidge of chapter 8. And a smidge of chapter Mm 8. And then tomorrow we will be back with... The rest of Nehemiah chapter 8. Yeah. And some of chapter 7 probably because we'll start at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. So. All right. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Husband. Wife. Do you remember what happened yesterday? Uh, Yeah. They finished the gates and the whatevers and, and everything's done. Except for that there's nothing really built inside the town. Well, at the end of the chapter, they had built houses for everybody. I thought they had? Yeah. Oh, okay. They settled in their own towns and stuff. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, but they couldn't open the gates until it was hot outside. Yeah, because they and had to keep out the vampires. Then there was a long list of names of people who were registered and stuff. And then they ended the chapter mid-sentence. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to start the chapter, we're going to start actually with the end of chapter 7 mm-hmm. when we go into this here. Yep. So that was chapter, Nehemiah chapter 7. Sure as fuck was. And today we're going to be reading. A smidge of chapter 7 and then Nehemiah chapter 8. All right, let's go do this. Okie dokie. Okay. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 7 into Nehemiah chapter 8. Okay. And I really feel like I missed an opportunity to say a skosh, but I said <laughs> a smidge instead. Yeah, yeah. It was bothering you after it, you cut it off. It You're really like, bothered it. me. I thought of that just after I shut this down. Because I had never heard of skosh until you. Really? You introduced me to that word. Did I? Just a skosh. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I still really don't know what it is. Just I mean, I don't smidge. use it all that often, yeah. No, but I had never heard it before. Got it, got it. Yeah, so just a skosh right. of chapter 7. Yeah. Okay. So, chapter 7. Chapter 7, when, yeah, the end of chapter 7. End of chapter 7, last sentence. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their town, turn the page, Nehemiah chapter 8. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. Yay! All right, water gate, yay! Watergate. (laughs) (laughs) Nixon and whatnot. Right, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses. Wait, is this Ezra, Ezra? No, this is Nehemiah. They just said Ezra. Ezra, yeah. This is the Ezra, Ezra. That Ezra, not other Ezra. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Why? Because they haven't really mentioned it. Like, Ezra was an entire fucking book. Yeah. Of ten have, chapters. Right. But they haven't really mentioned Ezra in this book. Are we sure That's, it's the same Ezra? I think it's got to be because he's the teacher of the law. Right. No, I get it. But, like, it's just odd. That's all. Well, but Nehemiah is a little bit in love with himself. Why the fuck would he mention I Ezra? Guess. I guess. Okay. But he did mention him now. Right. So okay. all right. they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded 
for Israel. Wait, you told me in another chapter mm -hmm. that Nehemiah happened like 70 years after Ezra. No, Ezra chapter seven. <clears throat> Ezra happened 70 years after the other thing. The other thing. What is the other thing? When they first started building um, the stuff and then um, like under King Cyrus, King Cyrus was like, go build these things. You're great. Have at it. And then so they started to go build, but then they got shut down. That was Ezra. Was it? Yeah. The first time? Yes. The yes. first time? You, we need to look into this because okay. I don't think either this isn't the same Ezra. It's got to be a different Ezra Or then. something's really fucked up with the storyline. Okay. And time frames. Okay. Then so. It's, it's got to be a different Ezra. Okay. In that case. That's, that's why I was questioning I, this. I thought it was a different guy. But okay, I'll I'll look when, into that it. That needs and to be part of our Q and A. Yeah, I'll I'll clarify the timeline. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So either Ezra or other Ezra. Right. He brought he brought the Book of Moses. Okay. The Pentateuch. Yeah. Right. Kind of. Ish. Yeah. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. This so sounds really fucking boring. He read for like six hours straight? Yeah. Fuck you. Well, if it's the law of Moses, like all the instructions on how to build the ark is in there. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's some really boring shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. No way. I would never. Right. And all the people listened attentively. To the book of the law. Mm. Did they, though? No. Attentively? No. For they, six hours? They did enough to where they didn't get punished by people. Right, right. They're like, hey, wake up, babe. Or, They're looking at us. Or, I have to go to the bathroom and <laughs> spend a couple hours in there playing on your phone. Yeah. Right, right. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law or not. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. The soapbox? <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> Beside him on his right stood Medahiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, <laughs> Milki, Mal. Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. There we go. Oh, Ezra opened the book. Shut up. I have a hard time with I those. I know, I know. You couldn't do it. I didn't say I could. Okay. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them, you know, on a soapbox, yeah, as has been right. pointed out. Yeah. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Okay. Ezra, praise the Lord, the great God. Do they got to stand from morning until, like, noon? Yeah. That's dumb. Probably six hours, like 6 a.m. to noon. Yeah. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bonnie, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah mm -hmm. instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. All of them did. They were, sure. they were just like passing the book around, mm -hmm. each of them reading like a, a short chapter Probably. or a short section or something. Probably. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear 
and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. I find it odd that this many people that were standing up there reading this were able to read, honestly, because yeah. reading was a very... Um, Coveted a, skill. Right. So were they reading or were they just memorized? I think that they probably were memorized and were right. like explaining the section that they were... Um, Given to memorize. Well, I mean, and you can do a lot of research into this, and I think it's really interesting, but, like, a lot of the books of the Bible were copied by people that couldn't even really write. Yeah. They just were literally copying the the shapes, the shapes of the words right. and stuff. So, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Okay. Don't. I. What if you have a reason to? Don't. But stop it. Okay. Stop mourning and weeping. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Mm. Why? What? Well, yeah. What? Why? There's nothing that made me cry in these things. I'm like, except for maybe that it's not over yet. And it's boring. <laughs> yeah, that would make me cry. Nehemiah said, "Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some of those who have nothing, and send some to those." Who have nothing prepared. That's what it was. They were crying and weeping because they couldn't get to the food yet. They're like, mm. come on, dude. Hurry, hurry the fuck up. up. I'm starving. Yeah. Potato salad only stays good in the sun right? so long. Yeah. This day is holy to our Lord, he continued. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Why were they grieving, Which though, for holy real? day was this? But why were they grieving? I don't know. I don't understand. Because they... they secretly don't like God or don't know who he is, maybe? I, I, don't, I know. don't know. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Oh, now they, they didn't understand them before, but this time now they, they read them. them. Finally, mm-hmm. this time it's going to stick, right? The Israelites are going to stay Absolutely. Where, this is This is the end. They're going to continue just to worship Yahweh right here. from here forward. They're never going to need any re-explanation of this again. Exactly. Okay. All right. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns in Jerusalem, go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make temporary shelters. But my dudes, we just got done building our houses. Can we just stay in those that we were already in temporary shelters? Can we just take a week? You know, right? come on. Yeah. I'm still trying to arrange my furniture. You're bullshit. Yeah. What if it rains, man? Yeah, seriously. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. That's We should just get some branches and build a little hut out in front of our house. Yeah. And then just like sleep out on the lawn. Yeah. And when people are like... What the fuck are you doing? Like, oh, we're just worshiping God. Yeah, we're you know, we read is, the Bible. This is the um, whatever the the celebration of shelters, whatever the fuck it's yeah. called. Yeah, what? Right? Don't, don't you know about this? Jeez, aren't you, are, you must not be a very good yeah, Christian. Right? Yeah. Ooh. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. 
from the days of Joshua son of Nun until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. What what, what was different this time? It was great. Mm, okay. I don't know. Got it. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. The end. It sounds like they've celebrated it just along the same way that it's regulated to celebrate it. So mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like it was anything special right. or more than before. In fact, they have less people than before. So right. it probably was a greater event in the past than it is now. So I don't mm. quite understand. But the new one with less people would be more personable. I guess. But it's not as impressive. Right. But so, to the people in it, it would feel bigger. Because they've never... they didn't. Until they read these fucking words, apparently, they didn't even fucking know about it. True. So That is true. I don't know. Like, I guess you guys can have... This is the best one since we got exiled. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what it is. That's true. That's all it is. That's all it is. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, that was Nehemiah chapter 8. Sure as fuck was. And tomorrow is Saturday, and we'll be back with... Our Q&A Saturday. And then on Sunday... Sacrilegious Book Club. And the weekly replay. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be back on Monday with... Nehemiah Chapter 9. All right. We'll see you guys then. Yep. Bye. Husband. Wife. Do you know what we're doing today? Uh, We're doing a slightly late Q&A. Yes, because it's Q&A Saturday. But hey. On Saturday. Still Saturday. Coming out today so it's not late. Yeah. 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 And then, um, yeah, that's that's what we're doing. That's we're doing what we're a Q&A. doing. Yeah. So, um, do you have any insights as to what we're covering today? Yeah, because remember, you and I were arguing over the timeline of um, Ezra and Nehemiah. Yes. And whether they were at the same time. Correct. Or what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're talking about that. We're talking about that. All right. Sounds good. Let's get into this. Okie dokie. <laughs> Okay, so Ezra and Nehemiah. Yeah. Okay, guess what? What? We accidentally stumbled into a contradictions. We do that a lot. Yeah, yeah. We stumble into these things all the time. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, they're pretty obvious to I mean, not obvious. Like, obviously, we were arguing about it, so, but... Because you know why? Because it's a, it's a... Because you're always wrong, and so am I. <laughs> That's why. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. I'm going to go over a timeline, and then we'll make some points after that. Sounds good. Okay? Yeah. So, Cyrus ordered the rebuilding of the temple around 538 BC. Okay. Okay? That was with Shesh Bazaar. Remember, Hal Bazaar. Yeah. The Prince of Judah, and Zerubbabel... Or Zerubbabel, whatever, the Persian governor over the province of Judah, who was also a descendant of the last reigning Judean king. Okay. And Jeshua, who was the first high priest after captivity, after the captivity. Got it. Okay. So, do you remember those guys? Somewhat, yes. Okay. So they found the old foundations for the previous altar and built a new one upon the exact same place as the old one, which dated back to David's altar on the threshing floor. Got remember? it. Yeah. Okay, the feast was observed and regular sacrifice was resumed and the adversaries tried to work, tried to join the work of building the temple, but Zerubbabel refused their offer. 
You remember that? Yes. Because he was yes. like, they no. didn't want to commingle or whatever, right? No, the the adversaries were like, we want to help you totally. Oh, and Zerubbabel was like, yeah, no, you're bad guys. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. okay. And so, this was all Ezra, right? Ish? No. No. Okay. No, this was Sheshbazar and Zerubbabel. Okay. Okay. All right. These guys came before Ezra. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Okay, got that's it. why I was stressing those guys. I got it. I There's got three it. sets of people. Okay, okay. Right. There's Sheshbazar and Zerubbabel. Then there's Ezra, and then there's Nehemiah. Okay, okay. Got it. So, in the beginning of the reign of Ahasuerus, <laughs> the adversaries wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. Okay, so they were complaining. They were like, these guys are sucky. And that's about 485 to 465 BC. All right. Okay, so we're moving along in time. Sure. Okay, and then in 464 to 424 BC, under the reign of Artaxerxes, the adversaries actually wrote a letter to Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And the letter was written in Aramaic. And... The king commanded that all the work stop until further notice. But we've jumped forward here by like 150 years since when it first started, though, right? Um, 424. It was like 560 something before, right? Or something like that. 538 is when oh. Cyrus first said, okay. let's build it. Okay, so it's a little over 100 years now. 485. Let's see. 430, 538. And then 485 is when um, the adversaries complained. And then 464 is when the adversaries wrote a letter. Right. But then 424 was something also. I'm not there yet. Oh, it was 464 to 424. Got it. Yeah. So 424 puts us over 100 years since this whole thing started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the adversary succeeded in stopping the building work for 15 years until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Okay. Darius came to the throne in a time of conflict and struggle. Therefore, the Jews in Jerusalem started their work without receiving any permission from him. Oh, okay. And they kind yeah. of took advantage of it. Got it. Now, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, who we're going to be reading about, they have their own books. Okay. Um, but they their books take place during this time. They prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem, encouraging them to stop wallowing in their despair. Okay. And to start prioritizing building. Okay? Got it. So we're going to learn more about these guys later. Sure. Tatanai, governor of the region, sent a letter to King Darius to determine whether it was true that a decree was issued by King Cyrus to build a house. And this is where they looked into the records and yeah. what have you. Yeah. Okay. So so these guys, um, so the adversaries went to the governor of the area, Tatanai, right? Yeah. And the adversaries were like, these dudes need to stop. And the Jews were like... Um, no, we actually were given permission and ordered to do this. And Tatanai's like, I don't fucking know. So he wrote a letter to King Darius and was like, dude, King, my guy, King, can you please go see if, um, there's actually a decree that gives these guys permission. So he was pretty reasonable. Yeah. Tatanai was. Well, I mean, I, so, I mean, I don't know about you, but if somebody gave me permission to do something over a hundred years ago. I wouldn't think that that still holds up, personally. Um, I don't saying. know, because these guys, like, if a king says jump, you jump, and you're not allowed to land until they give you permission. Right, but it was a different so, king, so, like... But it holds. Okay. It holds. All right. These guys t- 
took their decrees very seriously. Got it. And they held. Okay. Unless the king saw a reason to overturn an old decree. Right. You know? Yeah. Kind of like our laws. They they keep going until we legislate something different. Right. They hold th- to, no matter who the president is. Yeah. Like, you still have to stop at a stop sign. Just not That doesn't change just because we got a new president. Right. Right. Okay. So, King Darius found that, yeah, um, dude did, um, you know, Cyrus did make that order. That is correct. So, Darius issued a decree and a search was made to to look for this and he found the scroll. Okay. okay. Yep. And so Darius issued another decree to let the building be done and to leave them alone. Got it. He's like, just let them do their thing. Um, Cyrus ordered them not just to be allowed to build, but to help them. Right. And to leave them the fuck alone except for helping them. Right. Don't tax them. Don't mess with them. Just let them have their thing. Sure. Which was common for um, that um, era. Era. The, the kings over there of that that thing, whatever, <laughs> the kings of that land, it was common for them to let... Um, Things like this occur. Yeah, when they when they conquered other nations, they let them maintain right. their own... Especially early on, because that guy was kind of, like, cool. Mm-hmm. With, you know, he's like, hey, yeah, do your thing. Yeah, yeah. And that enabled their kingdom to grow further. Right, right. Okay, so Ezra arrived in Palestine sometime around 458 BCE. Okay. Okay. So this is like 80 years after the original decree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right in the middle of this last round of building. Yeah. So he wasn't there in the first group, okay? He was there in the middle of the building already happening. Okay. Okay. Yep. He was one of the later Jews who returned from the captivity to Judea and Jerusalem. Right. He was not in the original bunch. Okay. okay? Yep. He came to a city that had been repopulated by the Jewish people from their exile for about 60 years. Right. Okay. Okay. So that, like, that hadn't occurred to me until I studied this. Yeah, they don't give a very good uh, time frame on things in the right. Bible. So. I, and I'll get into that in, in a second. So that that's what we're concentrating on in this Q&A is trying to figure out our timeline a little better because I was confused, you were confused. Right. And it turns out we had reason to be confused. Okay. Okay. So Nehemiah arrived in 445 BC. Okay? Wait, 445. So, mm-hmm. So dude, uh, Ezra was 458. Okay. And then Nehemiah was 445. Okay. okay? So like 13 years later, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the book of Nehemiah begins 15 years after the book of Ezra ends, almost 100 years after the first captives came back to the promised land, and some 150 years after the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. Got it. Okay. So um, I'm going to get away from this for a minute and and talk about something else that kind of explains the confusion. Okay? Didn't the Bible say there was like 70 years between them or something it like that? It was 60. Though? 60, okay. But... We'll yeah, get into yeah, yeah. that in a minute. All right. Okay. So let this is just a reminder of who we're talking about and why the confusion. Okay. Okay. Yep. So the uniformity of language style and ideas of the two books, Ezra and Nehemiah, as well as Chronicles, mark the entire work as the product of a single author known as the Chronicler. So the Chronicler oh. wrote the two books of Chronicles and Ezra and Nehemiah. Okay. Okay. All right. So 
He belongs to a period after the Babylonian exile, probably about 350 to 300 BC. Okay. okay. So he wrote this at the earliest, uh, 100 years after Nehemiah and mm-hmm. Ezra did their things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. The writing of the books was probably attributed at the time to Ezra himself, like over the course of history usually right it's attributed to ezra but according to a rabbinic tradition nehemiah was the real author but was forbidden to claim authorship because of his bad habit of disparaging others (laughs) which is hilarious because you and i commented on how much he loved himself yeah yeah but it it's funny if it's him because he also loved david Right. Because the chronicler was in love with David. It definitely was. So I, I find that hilarious. Yeah. If it was him. Yep. So it was either Ezra or Nehemiah or somebody very close to them that was the chronicler. But so if it's Nehemiah or Ezra or whatever, then they didn't actually take part in these things. They wrote themselves into it as a character in these events because the writer happened at 350 to 300 BCE, which is at best, at earliest, a hundred years past when Nehemiah and Ezra were actually doing these things in Jerusalem. Well, here's my final say on the matter. Okay. Okay. Textual dislocations, meaning the way it's written and the way it's like out of order and stuff. Right. Raise a question about the chronological sequence of Ezra and Nehemiah to which there is no solid answer. Oh, okay. So were they together at the same time? Their times might've overlapped. Was one of them the chronicler? Maybe, but that means that he was, you know, living after all of that. And like you said, inserting himself. Right. So we don't know. Okay. We really just don't know. And I mean, there was a lot of copying going on back then. So maybe the chronicler took some accounts of a person and then just changed the name to himself or something like that. Could be. I mean, I, I don't know. It. The whole thing sounds a little sus. Yeah, it does. It does. (laughs) And there's like this whole um, chart of of timeline, but the timeline also depends on when they refer to Artaxerxes, if they're referring to Artaxerxes the first or the second, and also um, Circes sometimes was referred to. So we don't know because dudes could not keep their shit straight. Got it. You know what I mean? Basically, one more fucking giant mystery. Mm -hmm. None of it might be true for all that. Right. I mean, like, you know, the the we all we all know that at the very best case scenario, only bits and pieces of it are true. Right. I mean, like, it's a story. It's a fucking story that somebody wrote after the fact, a hundred years. Now there there are records from Persia and sure, um, you know, Egypt stuff like that. That's why I said bits and pieces are true. Yeah. That. That do say that, yes, this did happen. It was um, rebuilt. And, you know, these kings did support other nations that they conquered. So there's a lot of evidence that parts of this were true, like you said. My guess is that the Bible is just the, you know, most popular of all time historical fiction Mm -hmm. book ever written. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it really is. Um, There was something else I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. but the chart that I was reading was really, really confusing. And, oh, I bet. Um, it it just depended on, like, there was this whole century of it depended on which king they were talking about as to when 
Ezra and Nehemiah were there. I think you and, can... Hold on. Yeah, there's sorry, another. Sorry. There's another case where um, it wrote them together at the same time, but that may have been an editing mistake. Well, I mean, they weren't far apart. They were like 15 years apart, according to what you're telling me. So, which they might have overlapped some even in that. They might have, but the way it's written, they probably shouldn't have overlapped. Got it. And Got it. the place where you and I started arguing was when they were there at the same time, it was mentioned that they were both working together. Yeah. Like it had both their names in the same sentence. Right, right. And that's when we started arguing. That's because that was very likely an editing error. They uh, should not have been working at the same time. Got it. Oh, and I had another um, Q&A topic that um, I'll just throw in here real quick. Okay. Remember we were talking about um, Nehemiah was a cup bearer to the king of Persia. Yes. And how that was like very important position and we couldn't understand like what's so fucking important about, about carrying his cup, right? Yeah. right? So it turns out that what that meant was that he was his closest confidant and he was his food taster and his wine taster. Oh. He picked out the king's meals okay, um, to make sure that he wasn't being poisoned. So he was. So he had to really trust this person. Yes. Got so um, when he was upset and the king asked him what's wrong, Nehemiah was like really scared to look sad in the king's presence because you're supposed to always be happy because the king fills you with joy, right? Right. So he was really scared to like admit like, oh, I'm really upset because, you know, my people are over there and, yeah. you know, they're commingling and that's just the saddest tragedy ever. <laughs> so. Right. But that's that's what that is, and that's why it's important that he had that high position and left that high position of comfort to come be with his people and cry about them commingling. Got it. Got and it. Making commingle babies. <laughs> it's never not funny. I know. I mean, it's terrible, but it's not fun. I know. Whatever you know. You know yep. what I'm saying. I do. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for our Q&A for today. Yes. That's well and enough, isn't it? It is indeed. Um, and then I can't remember. Tomorrow, I think we're back with the... Book club. Yeah. So we'll be back tomorrow with the... Book club. The sacrilegious <laughs> book club, even. I forgot what the jingle was. Yeah. Sacrilegious book club. There we go. Yeah, and I was like, what? What? I'll it's get the book club. The, what? I'll get the replay done, <laughs> weekly replay done. And then we'll be back on Monday with... Nehemiah chapter 9. All right. We'll see you guys then. Yep. Bye. Husband. Wife. Guess what day it is? Uh, it is Sunday. And it is the day that we do Sacrilegious Book Club. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what are we covering today? Um, we are still in the book A Treasury of Jewish Folklore with subtitle Stories, Traditions, Legends, Humor, Wisdom, and Folk Songs of the Jewish People. And this book was edited by Nathan Ozubel. Okay. Okay. And um, just to give you an idea of where we're at in this book... Um, Let's see. Part one was Jewish salt. Do you remember that? Yep. Like wisdom and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then part two is where we're at currently, heroes. And last time we were learning about different kinds of wise men. Now we are in holy men. Um, last time would have been pious and righteous men. But today we are learning about charitable men. Charitable. Charitable men. On page 123. Okay. Sounds good. Let's go ahead and get into this. Okie dokie.
Okay. Charitable men. Okay. And the introduction for that starts on page 123. So I'm just going to read a few snippets from the introduction. Okay. Okay. Yep. The giving of charity is conceived of by Jews as one of the highest forms of piety and righteousness. And further, it goes on to say that all ethics spring from the compassion aroused in us by the suffering of our fellow beings. Well, it does actually, um, when you give it to people, there is a, um, a physical, mm-hmm. emotional response in your brain. Like yeah, you, endorphins in, right, or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. feel good about it. So. Yeah. So it's almost like a selfish thing. Right. Because yeah. you do get like that dopamine hit. Yeah. Um, there's so- another phrase further down that says compassion must be linked to social justice, however. Mm. Okay. Okay. So not just giving, but like giving to people who are really needy and good people. Got it. You know? Yeah. So it therefore follows logically that when the poor are made wretched by poverty, they have a right to raise their voices to God in complaint as needy creditors because he has neglected to pay them. Mm. So, because, okay. you know, God takes care right. of everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then... Um, further, it says, the poor man sits and complains to God, why am I different from the rich man? He sleeps in his bed and I sleep here in the street. Therefore, if the rich man refuses to hear this legitimate complaint of the poor, it is as if he had transgressed against God himself. Oh, wow. As if he had denied aid to his own kith and kin. Yeah. So um, the Talmud wants you to give and to give freely and even to give Above and beyond what you may think you have available. Right. And it says, but charity must come from the heart as well as from the pocket. Got it. So you can't can't just just give. give. Yeah. The unwilling giver or the one who gives ostentatiously forfeits his heavenly reward. Hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. And then charity can be expressed in more ways than just feeding the hungry or clothing the naked. Um, It can include tending the sick and helping the crippled, supporting the weak, leading the blind. These are all acts of charity. And so is offering consolation to the afflicted and bereaved. Hospitality and assistance to travelers and strangers is a vital and practical necessity among the peoples of the East. Um, It's basically just good deeds. Yeah, yeah. Don't be a dick. Right. You know, be actively good. Not just don't be bad, be actively good. Right, right. So um, this first story, well, actually, like the first two kind of give a really good idea of what this section is about. Okay. Okay. The first one is called the Golden Ladder of Charity. Got it. There are eight degrees or steps, says my, how do you say it? Maimonides. Maimonides. In the duty of charity. I said duty. <laughs> okay, so there's eight steps, says okay. this guy. Okay. Yeah. The first and lowest degree is to give, but with reluctance or regret. This is the gift of the hand, but not of the heart. I thought that was completely negated, so it doesn't really do you any good. Yeah, that's that's the first degree. Okay. Meaning you give, you but you, you didn't do it. great. Right. Yeah. The second is to give cheerfully, but not proportionately to the distress of the sufferer. So if you have the ability to give more and you didn't, but you checked the box, you're still a dick. Got it. 
The third is to give cheerfully and proportionately, but not until we are solicited. So somebody comes knocking on your door asking for donations. Sure. And of course, then, yes, absolutely. You, you're like, yeah, let me dig into my wallet. And, but you um, didn't seek it out yourself. Yeah, yeah. So starting to get for reals, you know. Right. With the third degree. Yeah. Okay, the fourth degree is to give cheerfully, proportionately, and even unsolicited, but to put it in the poor man's hand, thereby exciting in him the painful emotion of shame. So you have to come oh. up with a clever way to donate. You have to seek out opportunities to donate to him, either money or food or whatever, this right. good act. Not only do you have to seek out this needy person, but you also have to look for a creative way to not make him feel like shit that you're giving him stuff. That's probably partly why they had that rule where you had to like leave the droppings of the mm-hmm. you know, harvest. On yeah, the so that the... they had to work to pick it up. Right, and so you was... weren't technically giving it to them right but you weren't going to stop them from taking it either exactly right. exactly and or like, like t- tossing a 20 down in front of somebody but like you know right not claiming it exactly or like um when they said that the women had to get up early on fridays to make sure that they had food for the poor created right. um they had to make it and leave it in their windows yeah for the poor to come by and and steal right quote unquote right, right so the fifth that was the fourth one okay, okay? so yep. we're really moving up here in seriousness yeah the fifth is to give charity in such a way that the distressed may receive the bounty and know their benefactor without their being known to him so um so what okay so here's what it is um Oh, the person receiving it knows who gave it to them. Yeah. But the but person the giving person, it doesn't know who they gave it to. Yeah. Like, they're just like, here, whatever, here's all the money. Got it. You know, like, I donated, but I don't have to have your suffering in my face. Right, right. So, it's like giving to an organization. But that's that's a one way to avoid them feeling shame because they're mm-hmm. not being given it directly to them. Well, you're, you're not having to deal with that, the shame that they may or may not have. Right, right. But it's it's... I put it more as giving to an organization. Sure. So, um, such was the conduct of some of our ancestors who used to tie up money in the hind quarters of their cloaks so that the poor might take it unperceived. Ah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That pickpocket. Right. I'm sure there was never, like, a rich person who just, like, knew that this was happening. Right. They're like, hey, I know a way to make some extra money. Mm-hmm. Let's just go out and fucking, you know. Do Pick, this. Pickpocket. Just make yourself look a little grungy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- I think that in these societies, they would have, there would have maybe been somebody who was shitty like that, but they would have been scorned by their society if anybody right. found out. Yeah. And society was very, like, tight-knit. Like, it was right. very important. So, to have that sense of shame in your community actually meant something sure. that we don't have today for better or for worse. Right. I'm not saying that shame is a great tool, but I'm also not going to say that it's entirely inefficient. Right. So the sixth degree, which rises still higher is to know the objects of our bounty, but remain unknown to them. Okay. So I've given, but they don't know where it came from. Got it. Got it. Such was the conduct of those of our ancestors who used to convey their charitable gifts into poor people's dwellings 
taking care that our own persons and names should remain unknown. So can't do anonymous giving. Right. I guess. Right. Which I don't really understand. Like, I don't need you to sing my praises. The whole point is that I'm I'm giving it to you. But Right. So I thought this was a the like the the options are getting better as we go along. Yeah. Yeah, they are. So like these are the better ways to do it at the end of this list. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I thought it was still, like, complaining. No, I, I'm. this is the ladder of charity, so, like, the worst way you can give is the first one we said. Okay, got and it. And then it gets better as we go along. Okay. Well, the seventh is still more meritorious, namely to bestow charity in such a way that the benefactor may not know the relieved persons, nor they the name of their benefactor. This was done by our charitable forefathers during the existence of the temple. For there was in that holy building a place called the Chamber of Silence or Inostentation. Inostentation, yeah. Wherein the good deposited secretly whatever their generous hearts suggested and from which the most respectable poor families were maintained with equal secrecy. But only the most respectable yeah, ones. Yeah, the respectable poor families. Right. Not the shitty ones that had leprosy. Yeah. yeah. Not those guys. Right. Not the ones that the men were honest about their nocturnal you, emissions. In order, in order to, you know, to be poor, you got to be respectable and poor. Yeah. Like you got to be respectable. But, you know, you, if you're poor, you better be respectable. You got to lie about your nocturnal emissions. Or, you know, whatever. But, yeah, you got to be respectable. Yeah. So... Yeah. In, in your poorness. Yeah. Yeah. Lastly, the eighth and most meritorious of all is to anticipate charity by preventing poverty. Namely, to assist the reduced brother either by considerable gift or a loan of money or by teaching him a trade or by putting him in a way of business so that he may earn an honest livelihood and not be forced to the dreadful alternative of holding up his hand for charity. And to this scripture alludes when it says, And if thy brother be waxen poor and fallen in decay with thee, then thou shalt support him. Yea, though he be a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with thee. And this is the highest step and the summit of charity's golden ladder. So training someone to succeed. Yeah. yeah. Like give a man a fish right, right. kind of thing. Yeah. No, I or agree teach him that. to fish for himself. Right. Yeah. But I, I want to go back to the last point where they were talking about the respectable poor. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it leaves open a lot of room for people to mm-hmm. <clears throat> judge who's worthy who's and worthy. not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, well, that family, I, I'm not going to help them. They're not respectable. Yeah. You know, but if they were respectable, I would totally give to them. But they're not. They're not right. respectable. Yeah. Which... I mean, you're supposed to give regardless. Right. You know, without judgment. It sounds more like a it sounds more like a plan for people who were recently in good standing who mm-hmm. fell from grace. Like, yeah. well, they're still good right now. We need to get them back on their feet. But if you were already poor and like you head down clearly... out and shit, they're like, eh, "You're not very re- fucking respectable cuz yeah. I mean, look at you. You're all dirty and Jesus. You have leprosy. What's wrong with you?" Yeah. And clearly you did something to earn this um, misfortune. Well, I mean, that's kind of how people, you know, go about things today. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's very similar. The sh- You were saying the shame's not there, but the shame is there. Like, people don't go, t- 
you you have to go to certain buildings in the world to apply for your benefits that you get. Mm-hmm. And a respectable quote unquote person wouldn't be caught dead there. Right. right? That's true. No, I mean like it's a shameful act if you have to go do that for for many people. It's true. So it's that's true. that's it's still this this whole system this whole thing still applies very much so today. It does. I would say not to the same degree because um we we might be um embarrassed, but we're not going to be shunned out of our community. Right. Right. These people might have been shunned out of their community. Sure. Whereas you know, we would be like, well, fuck you. Got to do what I got to do. Right, right. You know? Yep. So the next one is called Qualifications for Paradise. And I thought this one was nice. Okay. The gates of paradise stood open and the procession of the souls of men reached to the heavenly tribunal. First came a rabbi. I'm learned in the law, he said. Night and day have I poured over the word of God. I therefore deserve a place in paradise. Just a moment, called out the recording angel. First, we must make an investigation. We've got to find out what was the motive for your study. Did you apply yourself to learning for its own sake? Was it for the sake of honor or for mercenary reasons? Mercenary reasons? Hmm. Like to sell off your skill. Got it. Next came a saintly man. How I fasted in the life I left behind. I observed all the 613 religious duties scrupulously. You said duties. I bathed several times a day, and I studied the mysteries of the Zohar ceaselessly. Mm. Just a moment. Minute, moment. (laughs) Minute, moment. I was trying to say moment, Yeah. and it came out minute. Got it. And so I messed that up. Okay. Just a moment, cried the recording angel. We first have to make our investigation about the purity of your intentions. Okay. Then a tavern keeper approached. He said simply, my door was always open to the homeless and I fed whoever was in need and hungry. Yeah. Open the gates of paradise, cried the recording angel. No investigation is needed. (laughs) Because It's about your actions, not your, yeah. And not just your actions, but, like, your motives. Right. Well, it's one of my biggest complaints about Christianity in general mm-hmm. is that you get to hear people talk about their piousness and their Christianity and their belief systems right. all the time. Right. But it's much, much more rare that you see someone just living that life and showing what they believe. Right. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of great examples of that. And even when people are generally doing it... and. and I, you know, we're all busy. We're all, it's hard to be the most wonderful person on the planet, right? But if you're going to pitch it to me as something that I need to convert to because I need to believe in these values, then you should be leading by example, not telling me I need to do this, but then, you know, being an asshole on the side. Right, right. That's all. This it's, guy was obviously, like, I mean, there's just people that are genuinely good people that try to help people. Yeah. You know, and that's. That's the moral of the story for me. Like, I think that that applies to whether you're religious or not. There are good people, there are normal people, and then there's shitty people. And I think you have to hold me back because I try to give everything away. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) No, there's people that, yeah, yeah, no. Wife would literally 
help people into our own demise. I I have done that. And yeah, has literally done that. Yeah. So I give to my own detriment. It's well, true. to be fair, you don't really have a good like running tally of what uh, it means to give something. Like you your your calculator is broken in your head. My calculator is broken, but it's always like um you ask me if I can do something, if I'm able, the answer is yes. Right. Like, whether whether or not I should, whether or not, you know, I'm tired or I'm sick, if I can, the answer is yes. But to the and, detriment sometimes. Right, so, that's what I'm saying, you know. that's what I'm saying. And, like, if you ask me for some physical item that you need, even if I need it, like, the answer is yes, you can have it. Because... I, I think it's a response to how I was raised where everything was mine, mine, you know? Right. And there was no, there was no sharing. There was hoarding. And so now well, I'm just like, I don't want to be a hoarder and I don't want to be selfish. So it's like in response to that, give everything away and then I can be considered a good person. So it's not completely altruistic. Right. No, I, I, I get it. And I, you know... I struggle because there's things that I would like to do, but at the same time, I think part of being a good person is making sure that you and your own are able to live first. You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, my my your, family put on is your very important. Oxygen to me. mask before you first before you help right. the one next to you. And that's not that I'm I'm not against helping people. I am definitely all for helping people. No, I, just, I know that. Insofar as that my capacity allows me to do so. You're more practical, and I am flighty <laughs> i mean i'm just a i'm a fucking flake yeah that's all it comes down to i mean so but we keep each other we, balanced we, so this was this was more earlier on in our relationship we've come to an understanding as to how much charity shall be given right so right. <laughs> well like i'm always like give it all and you're like no right and then i'm like give some and you're like okay and then you know we come to a yeah agreement right but, exactly. But I think without the other one to balance, you would be a lot more tight-fisted and oh, for sure. I would be stupid generous. Yeah. Yeah. So it's No, you would you would go live at the women's shelter and and give away your entire paycheck to help people out. Of, I would. Know, and then you'd you'd offer them half of your cot at the women's shelter too. I would. <laughs> I would. And part of it part of it is just to undo like my programming and to be considered a good person but part of it is like i i want to do what was never done for me like i was you know i grew up poor and i didn't have anybody in my life that was like i'll give you everything right and i there were people with money around us who were not helpful i don't have money but i want to live as though i do so that I can help people the way that they didn't help me. Right. So, I don't know. I, I guess either way, it's not very altruistic. It's kind of bitter. <laughs> I guess I really am an asshole deep on the inside, but I mean, I'm, well. I'm more of the, you know, when I see the guy delivering um, his beer to the gas station convenience store and he needs to get through the door, I'm the guy that opens the door and makes sure he can get through. <laughs> like I mean, that's my outro. You know, like if I can do some small act to help somebody, I do you know, that. But I mean, I thought that make was their like, life easier. That's way I I look at it. I so. thought that's the smallest expectation. Oh, most people wouldn't do that. Nuh-uh. 
watching the world. I have a better, I have a much kinder view of humanity than mm, you do. I don't. And that's funny because I'm the curmudgeon. I'm the asshole. I'm the one that says, I hate people. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, the next story is called Paradise Gained? Question okay. mark. All right. A pious man asked his rabbi, what must I do to, pres- to deserve paradise? The rabbi pondered and replied, three things you must observe to earn the everlasting life. You must give alms, care for the sick, and bury the dead. The man thanked the rabbi and left. On the way home, he met a crippled beggar. At once, he recalled the rabbi's words and took the unfortunate man home. He set a lavish dinner before him and praised God that he had, with this deed, fulfilled the first precept. (laughs) Unfortunately, the beggar fell sick because he had overeaten. So the pious man put him to bed and gave him a physic. Then he bethought himself of the rabbi's second precept, and he Man, he's knocking this all out with one guy. Now the guy's going to die. He rejoiced that he had fulfilled it already. He's going to die, right? But during the night, the condition of the beggar grew suddenly worse, and he... Died. He died. You called it. When morning came, the pious man helped prepare him for burial and laid him to rest in the Jewish cemetery. Then, turning his eyes heavenward, he rejoiced, <laughs> Praise it be the Lord who has made it so easy for man to enter paradise. <laughs> you, you literally fed this guy his last meal. Right? Maybe killed him with food poisoning. I don't right? know. And then... <laughs> <laughs> wow. And praise Jesus, you know? Yeah, that's, that's not... Well, it wouldn't have been Jesus, but... No, yeah. I know. Yeah. But um, the sentiment wow. stands. Yeah. Yeah, that one made me laugh. I was like, okay, I don't think that that's what you meant. Right. (laughs) Okay, the next one is called The Rabbi's Advice. Okay. A wealthy Hasid once came to the great preacher, Rabbi Dovber, and asked him for his blessings. Tell me, asked the rabbi, do you eat well? I live very modestly, answered the rich man, thinking that thereby he would gain the praise of the rabbi. My meals consist of a dry crust with salt. Mm. The rabbi regarded his petitioner with scorn. Why do you stint yourself meat and wine, food appropriate to a man of wealth like you, he asked. And he continued to speak so harshly to him that the bewildered Hasid promised faithfully that in the future he would eat meat and drink wine. Mm. Okay. The rabbi's counsel filled the disciples with amazement. And so when the Hasid had gone away, they asked, what is the meaning of all this, Rabbi? Yeah. What earthly difference does it make whether this man eats bread and salt or meat and wine? Okay, I love this. This is relevant today. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Dovber smiled and said, "If this rich man lives well and his meat, his meals consist of meat and wine as well as he can afford, then at least it will be possible for him to grasp the fact that the poor can dine only on a dry crust with salt." However, when he denies himself all the pleasures of life, even if out of piety, then he will soon begin to think that the poor ought to eat stones. Mm. Got it. It's kind of like the Ebenezer Scrooge version, like, you know, well, if, if it's all about the money and the, the wealth. and The way I look at it is it's a lot like the snap challenge, you know, right. where people, yeah. I I have such a problem with the snap challenge because for those who aren't aware, it's um, the welfare benefits mm-hmm. um, that people receive. And there's a challenge for people to try to live 
as that. though yeah. um, they are within those means. Right. So, you know, you're not allowed to, for that month or that week or whatever, you're not allowed to buy your fancy yogurt or, right. you know, your avocados or what the fuck ever. Sure. Right. Yeah. And it's supposed to give people with money a sense of what it's like to be on a an extremely limited budget. But the problem with it is that it doesn't convey convey the the feelings of panic that persist. Like it, it right. cannot possibly um, help somebody with money understand that. Yeah, but once this month is over, like I still have to live this way. Yeah. And it's not just the limited um, um, budget for my groceries. It's also if my car breaks down, I'm done. I'm done for. Right. You know, if somebody cancels on babysitting, I don't have a backup. Yeah. Because everybody I know works or is old or dead. Right. You, you know what I mean? It's. Yeah. Basically, they're taking one aspect of what pe- poor people go through, the food, the, the amount of food that they're allowed to get. Mm-hmm. And even at that. These people are starting on a beginning basis that has stuff in their refrigerator yeah. already. They already have so, spices and ketchup in right. stock. Yeah. They already have a full tank of gas when they start. Right. So it's not realistic and it gives it gives people the false understanding of what it's like to live poor. Right. And it allows them to pat themselves on the back pretending that they have sacrificed like, oh, now I know how hard it is. No, you fucking don't. Right. You do have, you have no idea. You, if you have never lived paycheck to paycheck, hoping that an appliance or a vehicle doesn't break down. And I'm not wishing that on people, but if you've never lived that way, get the fuck out of here. You don't know what it's like to be poor. If you are telling people, oh, well, you just need to cut coupons and bring lunch to work instead of ordering. Fuck you. Fuck you because you don't know what it's like. And people that are poor don't need to be told to fucking do that. Right. They were already doing that. Or or they look at you and be like, your coupons are fucking garbage because your coupons are for fucking brand name shit that I can't afford even with the coupon. Right. So, I sorry, I didn't mean to get all heated up, but this, the rabbi's advice, like, it struck me, like, right to my core. Yeah. It hit it hit that truth of no, this rich man trying to eat poor and give himself, you know, that credit. I'm not going to allow him to have that. Fuck that rich guy. He can just go eat his steak and drink his wine and, <laughs> you know, fuck ever. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, sorry. This is getting long. I know I I got a little <laughs> I got a little emotional there. So, let me see if we have any more stories. To share, I thought there was one more, but no, that was the last one. <laughs> oh, okay, that was the last one. I think that was the last one because it got me so worked up. Got it. Got yeah. It. Okay. Oh no, I oh, lied. No, There's one, one more. more. There's oh, one more. Now that we've lost half of our audience. No, we didn't. <laughs> they love it when I go off because it because I got shit to say. Right. You know? Yeah. You okay. Do. Here's the last one. Okay. The rabbi's only possession. Only. Only possession. Okay. The rabbi of the town called on the richest man in the community and urged him to donate a sizable sum to the orphan asylum. The rich man bluntly turned him down. Oh, damn. I will sell you my share in paradise if you will give me the money, said the rabbi. Oh, wow. The rich man agreed. Overjoyed, the rabbi used the money for enlarging the orphan asylum. 
When the rabbi's disciples heard of this, they stood aghast. Rabbi, they remonstrated. How could you possibly do a thing like that? Two times a day, I repeat in my prayers, love thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy possessions. My sons, I'm only a poor man. What are the possession, possessions with which I can serve God? All that I possess is my share in paradise. And to serve God's children, his orphans, I am ready to part with even that. Oh, yeah. I thought that was like, wow. Right. That like undoes the, the angsty, pissy, bitter I, anger that I had over the last one. I mean, that's that's well-placed, um, well-placed giving, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't believe in that. I don't think that that's a real thing but i have but if you if you can convince somebody for the betterment of children mm -hmm. to to buy your you know your non-existent thing right and donate money then hell yeah do it you know right and i know that this person probably fully believes that he was actually doing this or something right but let's be honest like if there really is a god you just solidified your place and the other guy is still going to get sent to hell because he's doing it for the wrong reasons yeah you know, like because he's doing it to basically you just duped the guy. You're willing right. to do it. You you mean it, mm -hmm. but you still dupe the guy because if if God were true, yeah, that would not hold up as a valid a reason bargaining. to get into fucking heaven. You or can't sell your slot. It's right. not a cemetery plot, you guys. Yeah, but I mean, I but the sentiment, you know, yeah. like he's yeah. he, he's I get the sentiment like that, and that's like and he's a, giving up the only thing he has to give, right? And that's, there's something beautiful in that sacrifice. I agree. I agree. So, all right. All right. Now that I've both gone off and then come back down, mm -hmm. I think we're done. All right. Well, that was our book club for today. It was. And next time we will be reading about martyrs ah. on page 145. Okay. But next week will be our Patreon episode. Right. And then um, the week after that, we'll come back to book club. Yep, you got it. And uh, today, I'm still going to be getting out the weekly replay. And then we'll be back tomorrow, as always, with... Uh, Nehemiah chapter 9? I believe that is correct, yes. Okay. All right, we'll see you guys then. Bye. Hey, wife, I guess that's the end. But husband, that's just sad. It doesn't have to be. We are on lots of social media platforms like Twitter. Our handle there is sacrilegious underscore D. For D's nuts. Oh my God. Stop doing that. Anyway, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. There's a link to all of our social media sites at our website. Ooh, we have a website? Yeah, it's sacrilegiousdiscourse.com, where you can also find a link to our merch shop. We have a merch shop? Yep. We have podcast-themed clothing, mugs, notebooks, and more, as well as an atheist and science-themed products. Wow, our fans should really go check that out right now. Definitely. They can get in touch with us by sending an email to sacrilegiousdiscourse at gmail.com. But before they do that, we could really use some help. Oh, yeah? With what? Well, it's not free running the podcast, and we need some financial support in order to get better equipment, which will free up time so we can concentrate on our podcast and our fans. Okay, so what should they do? Head over to patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse and sign up as a contributor on our podcast. Supporters there receive additional bi-weekly episodes that we record just for our Patreon members for as little as $2 a month. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. And Apple Podcast Reviews help us out tremendously. Like and subscribe. Leave an Apple review. Join us on Twitter. Support us on Patreon. That's a lot of instructions. 
Don't forget to say thanks. Thanks. Okay, bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.